0: Before we sing the end of the song there are those of us who have heard the message of Jesus over and over and sometimes we begin to think that it's just a story it's just, it's just words that it's just something that's written down but the wonder of Jesus Christ can transform your life if you allow it to. If you can just take a moment and realize that the power of Jesus Christ working through someone's life, through my life, through your life, through your neighbor's life, in your office situation, in your relationships, if you realize and understand that the saving power of Christ and the message of this truth is the transforming principle. It is is the absolute truth to darkness to light, from death to life. Would you take a moment and just consider what Jesus has done for you? Would you just, just take a moment, close your eyes, and consider What if you never knew him? Imagine this story never existed. Those moments when he was faithful. Those moments when he spoke to you. Those moments when he provided for you moments when he brought you hope when there's no reason to hope.
1: Filled with wonder, awestruck wonder, at the match of
0: your... Come on, sing it again, filled with wonder.
1: Filled with wonder, awestruck wonder. Filled with wonder, filled with wonder, filled with wonder, awestruck wonder at the mention of your Jesus, 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 your name, Jesus, your name is power, breath and living water, such a marvelous me To the King of Kings, You are my everything. And I, one more time, sing: Holy, 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 is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. With all creation, I sing. Praise to the King of kings, you are my everything, and I will adore you. Come on, let's just lift up our voices, sing praise to our God. We thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for us. We thank you, Lord God, for your faithfulness. We thank you, Lord God, for all the things that you have done for us. You are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be adored. We are here for you, Jesus, for all that you've done, for
0: all that you've done. We sing your praise. We lift
1: up your name, oh God. You are worthy to be praised. Oh. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus.
0: Father, we lift up your name today. We, We believe that the name of Jesus brings power. God, we believe that you died on the cross for our sins and you gave us life and that that life is significant, that life, Lord God, is what will sustain us for this physical life, but even into eternity, Lord God. So we depend on the name of Jesus. We believe in the name of Jesus. We believe that this is the source of our salvation. We believe, Lord God, that this is our source of strength, our source of hope, our very present help in time of need. that we have a part to play we have a part to play in proclaiming that name so Lord I pray that your name would be on our lips your name Lord God would be involved in our conversations God that we would share with one another that we would speak to you and spend time with you and worship you and pray to you that we would learn about you in your word and through others who, who handle your word You are the answer, God. You're the answer. So, Father, I pray that, God, even as we open up your word, God, as we open up the Bible, God, as we open up this inspired by the Holy Spirit document, Lord Jesus, that Spirit of God, bring us closer to Jesus. Help us to understand how we can be used to express the name of Jesus so that you might be glorified, so that more people's lives might be changed. So Lord God, just help us to understand what you're trying to say to us so we can apply it to our lives and be used by you. Thank you for your faithfulness this morning. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Good to be in God's presence this morning. Before I forget today, it's great to have uh, the, pri- the price Prices back with us at uh, home. It's nice to have them here. They were ministering at a church. Um, were, the church was going through transition, and they needed someone to come in and lead worship and bless them, and their family was there, and they're absolutely gifted to do that, and uh, they're going to get another chance to do that at another church for a couple of weeks from what I hear. And and uh, what a blessing that we can support them and pray for them and love them as they go and minister to others and uh, and so we just we, we bless you, we bless you and we, we, we just know that we 're with you praying with you and we just believe in you guys so much and so uh, just may the spirit of God go with you as you minister um, we believe in that god God wants to use each and every one of us to to forward the message of, the, of his gospel. And there are those who have certain gifts that they can use to, to reach others. and we all, But we all have to do that. We all have to realize that, that God has given us gifts that we can use in order to further the, the message of the gospel. And so that he has given you a gift and he's given me a gift. And, and we need to discover what that is in our life so that we can, we can use that to, to express who Jesus is. And you may not think that you have those gifts. You may not think, you may think to yourself, well, I can't go and lead worship somewhere else in some other place and go and do that. Well, maybe you can't, but that doesn't mean you can't be used. That doesn't mean that you don't have certain skills that other, other places are in need of, or our church is in need of, or other people are in need of, because you absolutely do. You absolutely do. Our church needs you to use your gifts. The people around you in your workplace need you to use your gifts. And I believe that when we walk in a relationship with Jesus Christ, functioning in our gifts, that 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 is the best representation of Jesus that you're going to bring. When you are functioning in the giftings that God has given you and you are using that gift to serve others, I believe in that moment you are the very best representation of Christ that you can be. Because that's why God made you, and now you are stepping in to a reality of saying, okay, God, this is the way you've made me. I am going to use the very best part of me to show the very best of you. And it's in those moments, I believe, that you reflect Christ the very best. And so I think it's important that we discover what that is. I think it's important that we discover in ourselves saying, okay, what is it about me or is there something about me that, that God that you have made specifically about me? And, and for the most part, most of you know what you do well. Most of you know that, that there, is something, there are certain things that you can do very, very well and other things that you can't do very well. And that somehow, okay, I don't know why I'm good at this, but that's, this is why, I, I don't know why I'm good at this. I know why you're good at that. That 's the way God made you <laughs> because you're gifted that way. We've been, uh, we've been reading in, uh, reading in the Bible about gifts. Initially, we were in Ephesians, talking about the five, five gifts of the church. We talked about uh, we talked about apostle, you know the apostolic gift, the prophetic gift. we talked about the evangelistic gift and the pastor-teacher gift. So we were in Ephesians and we were talking about how in ephesians they were trying to bring unity into the body. They were, trying to, they were concerned because Ephesus was such an evil place that in order to keep the family of God together, they needed, they needed to work together. And so the way to combat, listen, the way to combat the forces of darkness was not to somehow try and avoid the darkness, but rather to work together in our gifts because the more that we work together, the stronger we are together. And that means if we're working together and we're depending on one another, the chances of us falling into sin is less. So that was Ephesians. And so today we move on to to Romans where there's another list of gifts that Paul speaks to us about in Romans. So I'm going to ask you to look look in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. And uh, we're going to read Romans chapter 12, 1 1 uh, 1 to 21. I know this seems awkward, but... I'm gonna tie up my shoe because it's, un, it's undone. And if I don't, then I could fall on my face. So, I mean, falling on my face, that could be a good time too. But I'd just rather not. Just rather not. Would you read with me Romans chapter 12, starting verse 1. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Verse 4. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, through many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have the same, sorry, we have different gifts according to the grace Given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then to give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. D- diligently? Diligently. Then if it's to show mercy, do it cheerfully. Verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful and hope patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless those. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate the people of low with low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written. It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, you should feed him. If he is thirsty, you should give him something to drink. And in doing this, you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who inspired these people to write these things down so that we might see you, Jesus. And so, God, I pray that we would see you, Jesus. We would see you in these gifts. We would realize that you are the ultimate of these gifts and that we are most like you when we are functioning in these gifts. So, Lord, help us to see that. Help us to understand that and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Romans. Romans is a difficult, difficult epistle. It's a difficult portion of Scripture. It's not an easy one to understand. It's probably the most complicated of all of the books, probably in the Bible, um, to understand. Because Paul, when he wrote down uh, Romans, he he used such um, he used such language that and and that would help us to try and understand who God is and how sin works and how the sovereignty of God works, but it was a complicated book. Of all of the books in the Bible, there are Christians fighting over what Romans means, probably the most, because of what Paul has to say in that. He tries to explain where sin comes from. He tries to explain the forgiveness of God. He tries to, and, and he does a very, very good job. It's just that, Sometimes it can be hard to understand that uh, the Book of Romans was 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 wrote was written to the uh, the church in Rome, and the church in Rome was made up of two different groups. One was a, a group of Jews that have lived in Rome, and then there were there were Roman people, Romans, who had become Gentiles. They had given themselves to Jesus. And so now you had a group of Jews and a group of Gentiles, and they were all within the same church. And the problem is is that the group of Jews believed things a little bit differently than the group of Gentiles, uh, the group of Gentiles thought to themselves, well, I know Jesus. He's a really good guy. I accept his love. I accept what he did for me on the cross. And, uh, you know, I feel a, a sense of freedom in serving him. And the Jews had some different ideas because they came from the background of of a, of a Hebrew faith and said, well, no, in order to be a good Christian, you've got to do this and this and this and this. You've got to make sure that uh, you wash your hands properly and you wear the right clothes at the right time with the right shirt and stuff like that. And so there are certain rules that they felt like you needed to follow in order to serve Christ in the proper way. And so there was, you know, there was conflict. Can you believe it? People disagreed. In church, what? Weird. (laughs) Because usually when we come to church, everybody just believes the same thing, right, Robert? Yeah, they do. And so, um, there was a conflict. People were just, they were concerned about working together and so Paul spoke all of these things. He tried to explain the very basics of truth to the Roman church, to the Jews and to the Gentiles and he really wanted the Gentiles to understand the role that the, that the Hebrew life had in building this faith to where it was. But he also wanted to explain to the Jews that, that this faith that the, that the Gentiles have is genuine. And that there are some things in the part of the Jewish faith that was actually holding them back from experiencing the fullness of Christ. So God's trying to, you know, Paul's trying to bring the church together. So from chapter 1 to chapter 11, Paul is going line after line, uh, book, I mean chapter after chapter explaining the fundamental truths of the gospel of Jesus And so you're just kind of like, I don't know if you've ever sat like in an instructional context, maybe you've sat in a classroom for X amount of time, or if, uh, I I took this one week intensive at, uh, at, um, to uh, like a master's course at Tyndale, and, and I remember sitting through the same class all week long from nine to five, and I thought, you know, after about Wednesday, I'm just like, man, this is overload. Well, that's what Paul gives us from chapter 1 to chapter 11. It's like an overload of theology. This is, this is why you should believe, and this is understanding. And we try and chew through it, and then all of a sudden he gets to chapter 12, and he says, well, now that I've said all that, you need to make some applications. You need to do something about what I've said, and here's what you need to do. And then, and then you think to yourself, oh, finally, some practical application. But then the practical application gets a little overwhelming too. Anybody get overwhelmed when we started talking in verse 9? Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another. Honor one another above yourself. Never be like, and you just over and over. Practical application. So we're, we're in chapter 12. We're talking about this practical application. And Paul's trying to tell to us, he's trying to tell us, say, look, In order for this to work, in order for to take all of this theology, in order to take all of this knowledge about Jesus Christ, in order for us to work together, this is the way it has to work. That the only way for us to function together as a church and believe all the things that we believe and not hate each other and not be against one another is for each of us to take what God has given us and use what God has given us to work together so that the stuff that you're good at can be combined with the stuff that I'm good at, and we can do all of those things good for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that's what we're trying to learn about. That's what we're trying to understand about these gifts. And so we talked about all those gifts in Ephesians, and so we want to talk about these gifts that, that God has given us in Romans. I'm not going to double up on the ones that I've already talked about, so I'm just going to skip over a couple that we've already talked about and kind of focus in on the ones that we haven't. Does that make sense? I mean, I can just keep repeating myself. I don't know if you want to do that, but I So let's, uh, let's, go, back to, uh, let's go back to verse, to verse three, because this is a key before we even start talking about gifts. For the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in according with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Paul's basically saying he's like in order for this to work you don't have to, you you can't think that your gift is cooler than somebody else's gift. Right? You can't think that you, the stuff that you got is better than the stuff that they got. You may want to think to yourself, you may think to yourself that your uh, you may think to yourself that your Apple computer is better than my Android computer or my PC computer, but that doesn't make you better than me. That doesn't mean your gift is better than my gift. It just means that we need to find a way for us to work together. Doesn't mean that everybody should have an Apple. Doesn't mean that everybody should have an Android. I'm saying, can't we just get along? Can't we just work together? So you can't think that your stuff's better than my stuff in order for this to work. You can't think that your gift is better than my gift in order for this to work. There are some things that your stuff does better than my stuff, but in order for us to get this done, we got to bring all of our stuff together. Does that make sense? So we've got to overcome that first thing. That first thing is, is absolutely important. Before we start talking about gifts, you got to realize that your gift is no much more important than my gift. Mine's not better than yours. Mine's not more valuable than yours. There's, there is something that God wants to use in your gift and in my gift and us to work together to get it done. So, we come down to these specific gifts. We have different gifts. Verse 6 says, according to the grace God has given to each of us. If a gift is prophesying, then prophesy. We talked about prophecy. We talked about the prophetic gift and what it means in accordance with our faith. If it is serving, let it serve. And so we're going to talk about serving today. And you're just like, wow, that's amazing. I love to serve. Right? I can see you cheering. Um, so we, we take this word when it says, okay, if, if it's serving, then serve. And so the Greek word here is diakonia. And I said it right the first time. Not on Thursday, but I said it right today. Is diakonia. And this word just means, just means servant. It's this word that we use in order to get the word deacon. And you're just like, wow, I thought the word deacon would mean something that's like way more important than, than, than this, but it, it really just means servant. It just means serving, um, someone who serves. And, uh, you know, First Timothy chapter three gives some instruction to the church and qualifications about those who are servants or deacons. And really, in reality, this is just a deacon or a deacon in the early church was just someone who really wanted to serve the church. They just wanted... There was stuff that needed to get done, and they wanted to get it done. And so, um, there were specific things. and In the early church, they had a problem And that when they uh, when they first started, when they first gathered together as Christians, they got together as Christians, and and uh, people were getting saved all over the place. But they really felt one of the things that got passed on from Jesus. They really felt it was really important to make sure that people took care of the poor. And so, what happened was is that the more people that get saved, the more more poor people you know. You know what I mean? Like, if 3,000 get pe- people saved, then there's 3,000 probably more people that you realize are, oh, are poor and they need to be fed. And in order for them to be fed, the church had to realize, okay, we can't just preach the gospel and hope everything turns out okay. We have to care for people. And so there was a group of, there was a group of people, a group of widows and orphans, they weren't getting food. As simple as that. And so the church said, okay, we need to appoint some people, we need to choose some people to serve this need. That is the essence of what is talking about here. If if it is to serve, then serve. Now in the early church, this was this was considered an office. This was a a, a this was a uh, something that you were chosen to do. It wasn't just that, someone, that everyone was necessarily a deacon or a servant of the church. There was, there was a certain sort of title to it. There was those who, uh, who were appointed to serve. It talks about how Stephen and Philip were one of the seven deacons who were appointed at that time. In the same way, our church adopts certain people and chooses certain people to be dedicated servants to serve the church and serve the needs of the church. And, um, you know, but before we go into, and it, it's interesting because we, we take this word servant, the Jesus uses it in Matthew chapter 23, verse 11, he's sitting around as his disciples, it's the last supper, and they're all the disciples are talking amongst themselves, talking about how, how uh, you know, who's better than the other. You know, uh, my glasses are cooler than your glasses and my stuff is better than yours. Remember I talked about we shouldn't, what we shouldn't do, that my stuff's better than your stuff conversation? Well, they were actually having a conversation about it. I, don't, I can't even imagine this conversation. I can't imagine just Peter going to John and just saying, look, dude, I'm way better than you. <laughs> like, I'm way better than you. And John's just like, look, I am like, my head is on the chest of Jesus, like right now. Peter, think about it, I'm way better than you. This is the conversation they're having. Unbelievable. Jesus just turns to them and says, look, if you want to be the greatest, you have to become the servant of all. And when Jesus said this, he's actually referring to the person who's waiting on their table. He's actually talking to the person who is clearing the dishes from their table. He's like, if you want to be the greatest, you got to become a diaconia." These were people that in the early church were chosen. And by the way, just want to throw it out to you. Romans chapter 16, verse 1. Take it or leave it. See what you have to say about it. Paul's speaking about Phoebe, and he says, look, I commend you, sister Phoebe, who is a diaconia of the church. Just saying, Phoebe's a girl's name. And that girls can do this stuff pretty good. And it's in the Bible. A woman who's a diaconia of a church. I'm just saying, it's right there. Read it. Romans chapter 16, verse 1. Moving on. What does this look like? What does this gift look like? The diaconia, the servant. Well, these people, specifically for the church, they were, these roles were chosen. This gift was chosen. So you can have this gift of diaconia. You can have this, this serving gift and maybe not even be chosen. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're appointed, but there's tons of us in our church. There's tons of this gift cropping up in our church, and they're not labeled necessarily deacons, but they are serving. They are serving the church. There are needs that, that have to be done, in these, and so. But a lot of times, these these roles are chosen. Uh, you know, Celeste Zujic, she she coordinates all of our PowerPoint stuff. Diaconia, you know, uh, Krista does. Uh, Krista Kurz does, coordinates all of our our, our hospitality stuff. That's diaconia. Like that is people serving in that gift. Uh, I'm not saying that that's what defines them. I'm saying that's how God uh, has gifted them at this point. A person who has the gift of diaknea, the the serving gift, they're willing to do those tasks. They're willing to do the things that need to get done in order to accomplish the task. You know those things that just need to get done. The, The people that need to get fed. The things that need to get set up the errands that need to be run. There are people who just, they just love doing it. They're just like, hey, I can do that. Let's do that. Let's do, let's get it done. There, that's, that's, that's what it kind of looks like. And it's, it's those type of people. Some people have this inherent personality just like, "Okay, you guys talk about it? I'm going to go do it. You guys can talk about all of your philosophies and you can talk about all the things that you think needs to, and you just, I'm just going to go and get it done. I'm just going to go to the store. I'm going to go to Home Depot. I'm going to buy the biggest machine I possibly can. And I'm going to get this done. And that's what, they, that's what they're thinking. That's, there's a gift inside of them that just says, I'm just going to, I'm going to get this done. Everybody seen that in somebody? Anybody seen that in anybody? They're just like, you've seen that before? You've seen that in, in someone? They're just like, I don't want to talk about it. I just want to do it. Because I see a need. and In order for this need to get filled, someone's got to do Something. Someone's gotta do something. We had a need crop up in our church this week saying, okay, this person needs this and if, if there's someone who could step up to the plate and do this, um, we, we, just, we just really need this to happen. And you know what? Within within hours, it was done. The church needs this. Needs this gift. It's, a, it's not necessarily a person who has to, who is necessarily even in authority over others. It's not... It's not like, if again, we don't want to get confused with this title of deacon in regards to this gift. It's just, it's just someone who wants to serve. It's just somebody who wants to give. Someone who wants to say, okay. And, but they seem to be focused in on the need. It's a very specific. There's, there, there's, the serving gift is connected to some specifics. You, you know, when, when they when they called the deacons to become a part of the church, there was a specific need that needed to be met. There are widows and orphans not getting fed. We need to meet that need. We need to appoint people to meet that need. Often people with this serving gift can hone in on specifics and say, I can do that. I can do that. I can make this happen. They're not necessarily masters of teaching or governing but they, they, they do hone in on, on, on needs, and they get connected to the people that they're serving. They get connected to the, the specific people that they're serving, and so that their, their heart goes out to those people. It's not about groups. It's not about organization. It's not about figuring things out. It's just about this person needs that, and I want to meet the needs of this specific person, and so it's this is where this gift comes out. It's very specific. It can focus in on a specific task, but it has, usually has to do with a task and a person and meeting those needs. This is an extraordinary gift. This is a gift that if the church didn't have this gift, it would never grow. It would never grow. You know why? Uh, because we all be... We'd all be holed up in my basement. That I'm just telling you. Like we'd all be holed up in somebody's basement. And then you'd have people who are like, or, or somebody's attic. We'd be upstairs. And you know what happens when all sorts of people get crowded upstairs in someone's house. Someone falls out the window when they fall asleep. So we're trying to avoid people falling out the window. And so the point is, is that if, if we didn't have those who could serve, we'd never be able to organize efficiently. We'd never be able to, to do what we do here this morning. We would have all the children upstairs here with us right now. What's up, buddy? We'd have them all up here, everyone. And I don't know about you, but my, my attention span isn't the best, you know what I'm saying? And so I would have a hard time focusing. But there are those who are willing to serve. Those who are saying, this needs to get done. And I see the need to invest into the lives of our children so that the greater whole can be served. And they write their names down. And they say, I will do that. I will do that. We would not be able to be in this building. The lights would not be on. We may we may have a tent of some sort that we could meet under uh, of anything. But in order for in order for this to get built there needs to be those who serve in order for us to put the words on the screen so that you can hear them, so put these to, for this sound equipment to work, you need those who are willing to say, you need people with the serving gift to rise up and say, I need, we need to get this done. We would, not, we, would not be, we would not do as much as we can do without this gift. It needs to rise up. You need to realize it's important. You need to realize if there, there's a gift inside of you that wants to serve, that wants to help, that wants to do, then, then let's figure out how to do it. But don't be bashful. Don't sit back. Don't think to yourself. Because oftentimes these, oftentimes these people won't step up to the plate unless they're asked though Either. A lot of times this, this serving gift that doesn't want to step on anybody's toes often comes off really humble, and it's, it's amazing. But then they kind of sit back and they're just like, well, I don't know if I should really say anything because what if they say that they don't really want me to do that? And it's just like, listen, the Bible says that if we're going to function together as a church, it says, look, if your gift is serving, then serve. Then just do it. Whether you've been released by you know, whether you've been released by every specific thing that you're going to do as far as the church is concerned, just do it. If there's a need, then go fill it. Just do it. If you don't know how to serve or you don't know how to use your gift, then come talk to Pastor Corey or, or me or Pastor Becky or somebody, one of the, the leaders of our church, and say, look, I want to serve in this way. Help me, help me figure this out. But I am telling you, there's no part of me that's just going to say, yeah, we don't really need that right now. Yeah, we don't. We just, you know... We got enough help. Like we don't say that stuff, pastors. We don't say that stuff. We want we want people to help and and if that's something you're gifted at doing then then come and speak to us. We we want you to be a part of what we're doing. It's going to help you. It's going to help us. It's going to bring you closer to Christ. It's going to bring you into this place. Of you reflecting Jesus in the most powerful way. And the problem is, is that we try and process our gifts and how God's going to use our gifts. And here's one or two things are going to happen. First of all, we think to ourselves, first of all, we think, oh, my gift isn't good enough. Or I'm not as refined enough. Or I'm not really as good as I think I am at this. And so it's not really valuable. Poppycock. That's just not true. Listen, if 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 you're hearing a voice in your head this morning that says, oh, Pastor Shane, I think that you're talking about my gift, but I don't think it's nearly as valuable. I don't think it's really as good as you think it is, and I don't really think it could be used by God. That is not true. It's not true. It's not true. That's, that's what comes to our minds. Automatically, we think, uh, oh, it's just, it's, it's, it's just not good enough it's just it's just you know and then we think to ourselves the second thing we think about our gifts the second thing we think is we think to ourselves it's really not going to make that much of a difference right just because i go and and do this thing it's not really going to impact the kingdom of god are you kidding come on just because i'm you know, just because I'm, I'm really good at, at doing uh, tile work on the floor and I use it, that's not really going to further the gospel of Jesus. Like, come on. Do not underestimate the spirit of God and the power of the transforming message of Jesus working through you to provide what the church needs in order to express that gospel. Listen, you may not be able to perceive the eternal consequences of your gift being used, but I, absol- I am absolutely sure I stand absolutely firm on this belief in knowing that when you give and you serve through your serving gift for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ, he's going to bless you, and he is going to bless the work that you are investing into. And because of what you have done, people... More people will be saved in Jesus' name. I am convinced of it. So before you start answering those two questions, before you start thinking to yourself, oh, well, it's not good enough. I only do this so good and I wish I did this better. Listen, your (laughs) Your average job in your gifting is like a hundred times better than someone else who's doing it who's not gifted to do it. I'll give you an example. I'm telling you right now, if you were to build something out of wood and you're good at that, your really bad job is going to be a hundred percent better than my very best one. Do you understand? Your average job Your average accomplishment of you functioning in your gift is going to be a 100 times better than someone who's not gifted it in at all. So you think to yourself, oh, well, that's not very good, and I missed this corner by uh, an eighth of an inch. Can can you see the the failings here? And I'm just like, I don't care. It looks amazing. (laughs) Do you understand that? That on your average day of you functioning in your gift, that's extraordinary to somebody else. So you can't think the first thing, oh, well, it's not refined enough. It's not the very, very best. You don't need to be the very best because you're way better at that one thing. And that way betterness, that gifting, functioning in itself is what's needed so it's not valid what you're saying it's not a good enough gift or it's not good enough it's not valid <laughs> it's invalid and, and and again the second thing is saying that no it's not going to make a difference it is going to make a difference It is going to make a difference in the economy of the Spirit of God and what God is doing through this church and what God is doing in and through you. It is going to make a difference. What does the Bible say that we need to walk by faith and not by sight? Just because you cannot perceive the impact of your contribution does not mean there is not an impact. Does anybody Is anybody into gardening? You're allowed to put your hand up. If you're into gardening, and you first get started gardening, and you plant seeds, I get so discouraged, you know, because I think I'm just watering dirt. You know, I just think I'm watering dirt. I think to myself, why am I watering this dirt? This is just dirt. I cannot see what is going on under there, and so I convince myself nothing's really happening. I don't want to want other's dirt anymore. Because I can't see. Look, you see how we get so focused in on what we think we can perceive? Do we not understand? I don't understand it myself because I don't understand necessarily all the science involved. I don't understand what's going on with the seed and the water and the dirt. I don't know how it all works together to make bananas. I don't know. But I've got to have trust and I have to have faith in the creator to believe to believe that what I am going to pour water on and may, I may not be able to perceive it with my brain, with my, with my understanding of how the world works, but when you pour water on a seed and it's in dirt, it's going to grow. Church, when you use your gift for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and you give yourself humbly to others to use that gift, I'm telling you, God is going to use that. And it's going to grow. And more people are going to come to know Jesus. I don't understand it, but that doesn't mean it's not true. So we need to start using our gifts. You need to start using this serving gift and just saying, you know what, I, don't, I, I can't see how this is going to help people come to know Jesus, but I walk by faith and not by sight. You said, you said, if we bring all of these gifts together that we can work together in harmony, that we can see the message of gospel go forth. You've got to trust the creator that he's created you in such a way to use your gift and that your gift is just as important as mine. And when we use it together, we do something extraordinary. For the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because let me tell you, if you can get people who are different all working together in the same direction, that in itself is a miracle. (laughs) Right? It's a miracle. Let's do it, let's do it together each and every one of us, let's shout down the voices of the enemy trying to convince us that we're worthless and we don't have anything to give. Let us believe in the Spirit of God. Let us believe in the Word of God to know and believe that what God has made me, the way God has made me is something specific and he wants me to use that to serve him. Would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, we just come to you this morning. We come to you today, God, and we just trust you. We just want to say that we trust you. We just want to say that we believe in you. We trust you. That, uh, I don't know how you made us. I don't know how you formed us, but you know. You know. In the very essence of each of us, there is this. Way that you have made us. There is there's something inside of this, this is this way that you've made us, and and God, I can't explain it, I can't figure it out, I can't I don't have the science enough to like I, I just don't know. I don't know how you've done it. And we're all different. But God I just believe that we need to trust. We just need to trust you this morning in the way that you've created us. That there there are certain things that we do well, that we do good. And Lord, I believe that's not a coincidence. I believe you did that on purpose so that we could use that thing we do well to serve you and to reach others that their lives may be changed. God, I pray for those who have a serving gift. God, the the echinia of our church. To rise up, to believe. That they can contribute, that they they can be a part of the kingdom of God. They can be a part of Bradford Community Church advancing for the kingdom of God in Jesus' name and that each and every one of us would realize that we have something to give. Even before we get to maybe everybody else's gift, that we would just all realize that we have something to offer. So, Lord, I pray as we discover what those things are, God, that, that, that the Spirit of God would speak to us and help reveal to us how truly valuable we are to you. morning with everybody's head bowed everybody's eyes closed I'm just wondering if there's I I just want to bring an encouraging word for you this morning that God believes that you're valuable that he believes that you're valuable that you are valuable that he wants you this morning with nobody looking around, this is a, a different way to do things this morning but just maybe you're feeling worthless today maybe you're feeling like you don't have anything to give, and you're thinking to yourself, "I'm just God. I'm just. I'm just garbage. I just. I just don't have anything." Maybe that's you this morning, and I just. I'd like to pray for you, and just maybe you're feeling like that this morning. Just would you just raise your hand so I could just see, and I'd just be able to pray for you. Is that is that you today? Just raise your hand, just so I can pray with you. Anybody feeling that this morning? Just feeling. I see it. It's good. You put it down. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. You can put it down. It's good. I see it. Anybody else? I just want to pray with you. I'm not gonna, not gonna center you. I just want to pray for you. You say I, I'm just not feel I just don't feel like I got anything to give, and I just, I just need. Yeah. Thank you. Anybody else? Everybody's said said eyes closed. Anybody else? I just want to pray with you. That's all. Father, I just pray right now for those who believe, who, have, who are just fighting down the thoughts of worthlessness, Lord God. I believe, Lord Jesus, that these, that these people, even who have raised their hands, have extraordinary gifts. And now they may not know how that's going to fit into your kingdom. God, that they would choose to believe in this very moment. They would choose to believe, Holy Spirit of God, that you would reach into their hearts and that you would encourage them in Jesus' name. Then they would know that they would know that they would know they have something to give and that you want it, you want that from them that you, you are desperately wanting to use them to do something extraordinary and I, I just speak against the spirit of Satan, the spirit of, uh, of evil that, would, that would, would say to them that they are worthless, God I speak against those who have spoken words of death into their life, those who have spoken things that said that they are worthless they're actually people who have said the words And right now, I just speak a word of life into them, saying that that's just not true in Jesus' name. That's a lie of Satan in Jesus' name. That you're not allowed to believe that anymore. It's invalid. It's invalid. You are a chosen generation, a royal priest, a people belonging to God. You are the apple of his eye. You are his treasure. He loves you, wants to use you. Father, be with us today. I pray that we would feel encouraged. I pray that we would feel the love of Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that you are not afraid to use us. We may not be perfect vessels, but this is what makes... our lives in you extraordinary that our perfection our imperfections do not slow you down it is no reflection upon your perfection Jesus in fact it's what makes you extraordinary that you could use imperfect vessels to show everybody in the world how extraordinary you are and I pray that each of us as imperfect vessels would give of ourselves and realize it's not the vessel that makes the difference it's what's inside that counts may we all be encouraged today to step out in you in Jesus name we pray amen 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 God bless your church I am so glad that you came you need to before you go shake seven people's hands seven seven other people and just say